You are listening to Friends of Europe's podcast. Don't miss our debates on global and European issues that span political, economic, social and environmental challenges and follow our website at friendsofeurope.org. Colleagues, I hope your lunch was satisfactory. Um, we now move into the second half, which is... Um, all about innovations in housing finance. So we've had a very good um, background to this conversation. We've had a lot of the kind of challenges that uh, countries and cities are facing, some of the issues uh, around financing, evaluation, um, certain vehicles uh, and approaches, uh, and the fact that actually um, how can we much more effectively think about housing as being a lever for wider economic growth and development and sustainability of communities and nations. And so part of that requires innovation in housing finance. And that's what this particular session um, is focused on. And we have quite a number of interesting examples um, of housing finance for you to engage with uh, in this next hour and a half. And hopefully after that, we can then wrap up with a set of key things that we think are important um, to promote as good practice or experiences that can be for the benefit of policymakers and institutions more widely. So, um, we, as in the as in the first session, we have a Kickstarter. Um, I'm not sure you've ever been called a Kickstarter before, have you? No. Probably not. No. Um, so we have we have uh, Benjamin An uh, Ankel who is going to uh, set the context, um, given where you sit in the firmament of finance in the European institutions. It would be really interesting to hear from you. Given the planning that's happening now, you've got the, you know, the multi-annual financial framework being reviewed. Um, what are your hopes or aspirations or your thoughts around housing fitting into a wider economic development agenda for Europe? Thank you, and, and thank you for your invitation. Benjamin Angel, I'm Director for Treasury and Financial Operation in the European Commission. Um, the work ongoing uh, by the high-level task force on social infrastructure in which Lisa has played a, a key role has highlighted that the need for, um, for social housing is particularly high, around 90 billion euro a year. And the financing that is available today is around 30 billion. So clearly there is a financing gap and this illustrates the need uh, that we all face to try to, to be innovative and to associate uh, private solutions with public financing. As far as the EU is concerned, uh, we have, as you know, uh, made uh, of investment our key priority. And the Commission, uh, when it started, has, young, has launched the Juncker Plan, the investment plan for Europe, which aims at uh, catalyzing 500 billion euro of investment by 2020. We uh, have already, uh, via the IB group, catalyzed 250 billion uh, in two years, which is a good result. And the social sector is not absent from the Juncker plan. Actually, when you look at what has been done, 18 projects in this uh, social infrastructure uh, field have been financed. And if we narrow the scope to social housing, which is a topic of our uh, conversation today, we have eight projects, two in Spain, two in Poland, one in Ireland, one in France, one in Portugal, and one which is multi-country. Those projects will catalyze some 
3 billion euro investment, more or less, which is not completely negligible. Mm. Uh, the European Investment Fund, which is the uh, joint subsidiary of the EIB and, and of the European Union, uh, is also, and, and, and some implementing partner as well, is also developing social instruments. And we have used FC to develop further the social instruments operated by the European Investment Fund. We have even used FC to double the firepower of the main EU program supporting social infrastructure, which is the EASY program. Uh, going forward, what would be needed to get better results and uh, have done more uh, by, uh, by the EU in this field? Uh, first, we need more cooperation between the national promotional banks and the AB group. Uh, the AB group is, under the treaty, the main uh, implementing partner of the EU for investing in Europe, but the AB group on its own uh, cannot achieve miracles. It's clear that you need multiplier on the ground, and, and against this background, the National Promotional Bank are a, a key player. Uh, the new FC2 legislation, which has been adopted by uh, Council and Parliament a couple of weeks ago, uh, does foresee also a call on the IB to delegate more, which will allow to develop more partnership. Mm -hmm. Second, and very important, we need more technical assistance. Because when we use financial instruments, we cannot have a top-down logic. It's not structural funds when we can say, oh, we want X percent in Italy, X percent in Greece, X percent in Portugal. It doesn't work like this. If you say, I want 10% in Greece, and you don't get bankable projects, then you get zilch, basically. Mm. <laughs> you, come, you end up with zero. And our experience is that there are countries where uh, the expertise that is needed to use this kind of instrument is present. And there are countries which are struggling a bit uh, to use them. So it's very important to enhance further technical assistance to make sure that we get more uh, bankable projects. We are uh, already pushing the advisory hub, which is the big uh, uh, advisory service established by the Investment Plan for Europe, to be more proactive, to go on the ground, and to help more also the social sector. But again, it's not a magic stick, because whatever we do in Brussels to boost this technical assistance cannot change the situation on its own all over Europe. Exactly. We, need, we, need a multiplier, uh, we need multipliers, we need all partners to, to help on the ground. Uh, third, we need to uh, build more investment platforms. So investment platforms are platforms that agglomerate together plenty of projects. Usually, usually they're presented uh, as structured finance. So you usually have uh, some equity tranche, and a mezzanine tranche, and then a senior tranche. But the main idea is that by agglomerating together plenty of small size projects, you get a critical investable mass. We had uh, a number of good initiatives all over Europe. So, two, a year and a half ago in France, for instance, they had one platform which allowed to renovate 400,000 uh, houses uh, to improve the energy efficiency. In Poland, for social uh, housing, they have built a big platform also to uh, allow nationwide to do more to support uh, housing. We need more of these. Uh, they are complex to establish, so what I said about technical assistance certainly uh, applies there. And uh, they do call in some cases for associating union funds among themselves. Mm -hmm. That is tricky. Uh, that's the reason why we, we have come up with rules aiming at facilitating associating the structural funds as if with the Juncker plan. With F it's a text which is under discussion, which is called the omnibus which will make it 10 times easier than it is today. For instance, uh, the ex assessment will be replaced by the IP due diligence. 
the rules in the member states that limit the use of structural funds to a given region will be lifted to be, uh, when you have such a combination, you will be able to use the fund in the whole country and not only in a small part of the country. Uh, the rule related to the ceiling to the co-financing, uh, or rather the floor to the co-financing will also be lifted, etc. So uh, you have a huge number of simplification which we hope to be available at the beginning of next year uh, for mm -hmm. people to use. Um, last, uh, when you have a good project in the social sector, I remind that we have created a tool to give publicity to the project promoters at the European Investment Project Portal. It's a very simple tool where the project promoter can send their project to the Commission. The Commission will check the legality of the project and just the legality under EU law. And then we translate for free the project uh, in English, so we can get the project in whatever language. And it's uploaded on a website which is uh, accessible to investors from all over the world. We have already 200 projects for more than 50 billion euros on this website. So it's f absolutely free of charge. It's a service that we give to the project promoter to facilitate financing uh, their project. Going forward with the MFF, we are in the process of uh, preparing the new generation of financial instrument. And there's one thing we want to do is to bring simplicity. Today, we have 35 financial instruments. I don't think anyone in this room, including myself, is able to draw the full list. Uh, <laughs> so what we want to do in the next MFF is to have one single fund, which would be the InvestEU fund, with a number of policy windows, and a single set of rules, which will make it much easier for everyone to use it. And one thing which has already... Uh, Exactly, which is already quite consensual among the, the, the Commission services is that we, we plan to have four policy windows within this fund and mm. one of them will be social inclusion. So there, under this window, we have a window of opportunity, if I may, to build instruments which target social housing. So any good suggestion that you can make to the Commission to help us design the future instrument for the post-2020 period, it's the right time to do it because that's now that we are thinking on how to design it. Up to you to feed it with good ideas. So therefore, the Housing Solutions Platform could be a designer of that new window, I hear, potentially. So mm, mm, that'd be a very good idea. Go on, sorry. Is that you done? Absolutely. Good, I'm glad with that offer. Absolutely, we must think about that. Now, I'll bring you back in the wrap-up session. Um, that was really helpful. You know, the, um, and obviously, that's full of promise there as well, actually, because the, the thing about simplicity and actually creating... Um, greater coherence uh, and synergy between uh, uh, fi finance and policy is obviously welcome. But the point you made about you know technical infrastructure or technical expertise, but also the the financial platforms, who do you see as being the author of those or the responsible? Who has responsibility for those? Because actually, uh, no, let me ask that just that question. Who do you see as being responsible for those? Uh, we have a number of partners for technical assistance. The main partner is the EIB, but it's not the exclusive partner. There are also some uh, more targeted technical assistance operator. Uh, under the EASY program, for instance, our colleague from DG Employment have selected a dedicated implementing partner to provide technical assistance. The, the WU is the best place to provide it. Mm. Uh, question is impossible to answer centrally. Uh, the um, no, reality is that it varies from one country to another. Mm -hmm. And we have to, to build on the strengths where they are. 
Sometimes the national promotional banks themselves are able to provide technical assistance. In some of the cases, they are not equipped at all. So mm -hmm. it's really not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. I suppose my question was more about the kind of <coughs> conditions you set and signals you give at a local level to harness some sort of energy to come together and, and create some sort of infrastructure, which I know you can't do it centrally, but it's about, um, as a funder, you know that actually you put certain regulations or, or criteria, yes. and that can be a motivator for change on the ground, potentially. Well, the main obstacle that we face in part of Europe is the free money that we are sending to this country, let's put mm. it bluntly. Mm. Uh, the countries which are very good at using financial instruments are in the West. Countries which are not so good at using financial instruments are in the East. Mm -hmm. So we need a lot of technical assistance in the East, and we need them to uh, improve their capability to submit good projects. Mm. But at the same time, those countries are also struggling to absorb the structural funds. Indeed. Mm -hmm. So their top priority, when you speak to the political level, is not that much to enhance the capabilities to use sophisticated financial engineering. It's rather to take the free money because, as I mean, anyone getting the question, do you prefer a, a check or a loan or a guarantee? Well, usually <laughs> you take the check, and that's a bit uh, the the problem we face. We we do not intend to cut structural funds. That's not our the issue. Mm -hmm. But we, we we do think that we need both and that the financing needs that I mentioned are so big that considering the, the state of our public finances, there is a strategic interest for Europe to uh, have a greater use of financial instruments all over Europe, but we need to, to, to motivate part of Europe to make good use of this possibility, and it's a, it's a continuous challenge, honestly. No, absolutely, but I suppose, and I, will, I won't dwell on you further, but there's something about how do you create a playbook that creates the know-how that says actually a financial pipeline could look like this. The multiplier effect of ESF money, ERDF and others with private equity can do this. And actually the kind of uh, technical expertise that's required has this kind of characteristic. Um, does that kind of stuff happen? Is it in the pipeline? Is, does it have any impact if it is there? Yes, we need more information sharing. We, more, we need more benchmarking and more uh, spreading of the good experiences. Mm -hmm. So uh, the EIF is quite good at that. The EIF has okay. created, for instance, a platform which gathers all the national promotional bank and institution all over Europe precisely to do uh, knowledge sharing. Uh, it's a little bit less in the IB culture, to be honest. <laughs> So we are, we are pushing the, the IB to go in this direction. And, and for sure, when we have good practices, good investment platform in this field, etc. there would be a big general interest in making them known so that people can draw inspiration from them. Because very often when we, when we tell someone, why well, don't you build an investment platform in social housing sector, you don't even know where to start. No, exactly. And that's what we need to improve. Okay, good. Lots of food for thought. Uh, it's a nice segue into your contribution, Orla, if I may invite you. Um, because, you, you know, there you have... Uh, a major investor in, in, in the territory and, and a financer. From a policy point of view, from a kind of mindset point of view, what's your you know, it, it, entry point into what you think needs to change? What are the challenges in terms of housing policy? Oh, thank you very much uh, for this introduction and also thank you uh, for uh, invitation, especially the Council of Europe Development Bank and Monica Brezzi. Uh, and I would uh, like to start with the, some of the key messages, basically, mm. answering your questions mm. uh, that were fed into the new urban agenda the, and Habitat 3 
um, through um, my research for the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe. Sure. Um, and uh, so some of the messages that I will um, I will note now have been already injected and perhaps just should be acted upon. Um, but there are some other uh, new issues that we see emerging um, at this time. So at this junction, perhaps uh, only looking at the introduction that we had for this conference, perhaps it is worth, if it was not emphasized already this morning, um, to emphasize that we are uh, facing the housing uh, crisis, not only because of the global financial crisis, but be also because, and primarily because of the, our housing policies before the crisis, and before, because of the, our housing, uh, uh, housing financial mechanisms before the crisis. I mean, this, was, this is why we are here, because we had specific ways of financing of uh, market housing and also uh, systematic reduction in financing of social and affordable housing for 30 years since the 80s, right? So I think that it was, I think that this is something that you already know and that has been rehearsed many times. But in, with some, I mean, we are doing a lot of uh, innovative work, but, but with some adjustments, we're still largely dependent on old models and old policies and old financing models. So lots of um, uh, issues that we are discussing today or lots of good experimentation and innovation is still not institutionalized. We are. In many cases, um, well, um, uh, 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 depending on really, there are some exceptions, but in, in many cases we are in, in the stage of experimentation. So um, as the result of the previous policies, we are a continent of homeowners. Um, we have reduced um, and are continuing to reduce investment in social and affordable housing. Um, and it, our research has shown that many EU countries are now at the crossroads between the old systems and old policies that resulted in crisis and experimentation with new models. So to compensate for public sector funding, the governments are increasingly encouraging supported housing providers to use their own assets and surpluses. Um, many of you know what that means. Uh, that sometimes means also uh, reducing the number of housing uh, units in, in the sector. There's also an interest to combine different subsidies. Uh, state aid rules may come uh, in, in question in this uh, kind of case. Um, there is also a shift uh, to private loans uh, and investment, bond finance, and government guarantees, which I believe lots of uh, uh, people who will comment after me will come and talk a little bit more in detail. And there is also so a social impact investment as one of the uh, fastest growing fields. Uh, as we go forward, it's worth uh, reflecting on some of the emerging questions, such as um, to what extent can these financial models, the new ones, um, supply housing that is affordable uh, to produce and affordable to consume. Um, uh, some commentators, uh, including Professor Gibbs here, would argue uh, in one of his um, uh, studies that these are actually shallow subsidies that uh, lead to provision of affordable rather than social housing, which perhaps may not be adopt adapted to all uh, groups that are in need right now. And, and also we have to emphasize that we have uh, diversified housing need, not only for the homeless, but also for the, for the uh, uh, key workers, middle income and middle class families. Uh, social impact investment or social investing is one of the key raising mechanisms, but the issues related to the measurement of what is actually social uh, impact are still a challenge for both IFIs and private investors. We have to also ask the question to what extent these new innovative mechanisms are scalable, and I think that this was already touched upon, and to what, um, to what extent are these mechanisms actually adapted to the needs of cities or small, or small housing providers. Um, 
um, EU, of, of course, doesn't have an official mandate in housing within the structure of the EU treaty, of course. Um, uh, this is responsibility of the national governments. And um, uh, DG Regio, through Housing Partnership, is doing lots of work to look at the regulation, uh, knowledge, um, 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 and funding, uh, and how can that um, be changed. But um, there's much more work to be done. Um, the housing sector needs a, a new paradigm, what we would say, uh, a new paradigm that is more adapted to present and future market dynamics. Um, this will require moving away from focus on one or two tenures or three tenures, social housing versus home ownership or versus private rent, to looking at uh, um, a, a housing continuum. And that means looking at uh, housing continuum from emergency shelters, transitional housing, social housing, affordable rent, affordable home ownership, and then market rent. That would also mean, and I think that this is why I really appreciate this um, uh, platform here, is also breaking the silos between providers of different to to uh, types and tenures of, of housing. Uh, and actually promoting uh, contribution in, instead of a competition uh, between different providers, different tenures. I think um, that if we move and succeed to move toward thinking about housing continuum and providing neutral, uh, uh, neutral tenure provision rather than focused tenure provision, so we may similar, actually... It's similar to what Benjamin was saying about exactly. a, a kind of investment pipeline. This is talking about a supply pipeline. Of, of, exactly, of, of, but okay. on different tenures. So we are thinking not only about one type, but we are thinking about affordable solutions. We have different markets, and that will also include underst a deeper understanding of uh, the housing markets, and I'm sure that this was mentioned uh, this morning, deeper understanding of how the housing markets work, what is their nature. In many international policies at this moment, we are still looking at housing markets uh, as unitary markets, which means average housing price. Mm -hmm. That are our indicators. And what we are really seeing is that we have fragmented housing markets that a part of France don't need any help in financing because uh, housing, of, uh, home ownership housing is affordable. In, uh, if you go to uh, Massif Central or you go to Northern England, you can get uh, a house uh, um, you know, that is affordable in home ownership. Mm -hmm. You will not need more than 30,000 uh, euros. Mm -hmm. But if we are going and looking at the fragmentation and uh, looking at the centers, okay, 60,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would go okay. there, Rob. 60, no, yes. 60. <laughs> when I left it, you if you're in the was, East it was of, 30 you know, when Asia? I left. Mm -hmm. All right, okay, 60, there we go. But <laughs> if, if we move to London or Paris, we will be looking at average prices in some um, uh, market pockets that are 10 times that. We were uh, uh, looking at six, uh, 600,000. So we are actually, what we are actually needing also is understanding and changing international policy understanding of how housing markets work. And that will help us in, in, uh, okay. to understand then uh, how to produce affordable housing and for whom and where, obviously. So, um, um, so that kind of thinking will actually require recalibration, uh, require governments to recalibrate state intervention uh, in housing finance and to support uh, increased and diversified housing need and um, while uh, trying to provide targeted measures adapted to the needs of local housing markets uh, and of, uh, of, 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 of different populations that are in need. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's a nice kind of segue into, into you, Eve, actually, because as, as uh, Benjamin said, you, you sit on the uh, European Long-Term Investors High-Level Task Force on infrastructure. Um, how is the issue of housing, but also its relationship to wider infrastructure and its, um, its, its potential for economic growth and development being featured in the discussions you're having? Okay, 
afternoon, everybody. Um, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to uh, to be to present, uh, in a way, very briefly, uh, a report that is not in the public domain yet, but will soon come in the public domain. So it's a very early. Uh, it's it was finalized this week after quite a few months of work, together with at the request, in a way, of the European long-term investors. Mm -hmm but very close cooperation with, with the European Commission, actually. And so I, I have a problem in not repeating what, uh, what ben Benjamin said, but I will try to. Um, but also very much on the housing part mm -hmm. with Housing Europe. Mm -hmm. So we had very good cooperation there. And thanks for a lot of the work that Housing Europe is doing, we could come to some, some, uh, some data because one of the things that is really amazing is that there are so few real data available on social infrastructure investment. I think for me that was a, a very a surprise, having been uh, in, in social policies in general. So let me frame this a little bit first, because the report is made at the request of the European uh, long-term investors in cooperation with a lot of people they set up a high-level task force presided by President Prodi and uh, Christian Sauter and uh, working together with a lot of the different promotional banks, mainly the Italian, the German, and the, it uh, and, and the French, but still uh, a wider uh, setup. So the promotional banks are, are, are very key here also. The, the idea was the frustration came a little bit of, yes, investment is happening. The Commission understands that investment is important. FC is not really delivering fast enough in the areas that we want to see moving. That was, and I think that is shared also a little bit with, uh, with, with the Commission. We selected their social infrastructure being accessible, energy efficient, affordable housing, education long-term lifelong learning, and health and long-term care. I'm not going to go into the other areas than housing for this sake of here, but what is important, I think, is to focus on long-term investment. It is long-term investment that has decreased seriously uh, since the crisis. Uh, that was also recognized, and again, in the, in the annual growth survey, it's also recognized, yes, uh, that was launched yesterday, it's uh, recognized by the Commission again, as, as an important, so the long-term investment is important, but what I see also from, from, from the situation is also it's urgent. It's urgent to do long-term investment. Mm. So, and it's urgent to turn around the, the, the time that the, the, it's clear that investment has decreased since the crisis, but it's very varied across the regions. Some regions have have continued investing. Some regions are really depleted. And one of the things that is different from other, uh, other uh, areas, is of course, that social infrastructure investment is very much a local responsibility, a regional, local, or municipal responsibility. And very often that has been the cutting of the, or the, or the non-availability of resources, public resources there, has been very often made less visible in a way. So, so it is important to look at more local investments because in housing that's 90% is public 
local investments. We, call, we, we talk here about affordable housing, mainly because a lot of countries in, in Europe don't really have the term or the, or the concept social housing. So it's, we, we and I think uh, Orna defined that in a very nice table in a way, what is affordable uh, housing. So it's, uh, so we've, we found in a way, in, in a nutshell, after a long of, long, lot of cooperations, we found that the investments in, uh, in social infrastructure investment in 15 was 170 billion annually, decreased from since 2007. And that the gap, basically, the minimum gap that we identified, and it's very difficult to, to, to calculate, uh, came to 200 billion per annum, and for housing, <coughs> specifically, 65 billion minimum needed. A big chunk Across of that- Europe. <coughs> yes, across Europe, and a big chunk of that is also energy efficiency mm. in housing. So I spoke yesterday at the Parliament about energy efficiency, and I hope that all of these items and all of these groups come together and really make things happen. I think um, I think the time has come, really, the knowledge is there, the, the consensus is building up, the, the, the technical expertise is there, in, and the money is there. So mm -hmm. what, is, what is missing is bringing all of us together. So <coughs> the gap I said, uh, FC, when we talked to, to, to the EIB and, and, and the Commission and, and looked at the data, yes, it's moving forward, it's not moving fast enough in social infrastructure for, I think for the reasons that we share, there are not enough bankable projects in these areas. Uh, not enough, large enough projects uh, to, to crowd in private investors. So therefore, <coughs> and there's a lot of subsidies going, public subsidies going into social housing or energy efficient housing in a way that could be used much more efficient. So it's also a question of using public finances much more efficient in the long term uh, and doing the right thing there. To, uh, I think I want to raise also the issue on public procurement could be uh, could be further improved Indeed. in innovation. So it's not only uh, public-private uh, partnerships, but it's also public procurement. And uh, I think the Commission is also come up with some improvements there from the perspective of innovation and, and in, in in public procurement. But the main, uh, in a summary, uh, I. I would say that the conclusion in the report, I'm summarizing this very, very, uh, <coughs> very briefly, and saying, okay, the, the, the conclusion is basically that we need to bundle projects, it's a lot of smaller projects, and for a lot of people, one billion is a lot of money, but for private investors, very often that's, uh, that's very low for an investment to take the risk to have the return so bundling could be, and, and therefore a platform like this, uh. together with energy efficient platforms that exist also, uh, could really help doing this. Then what, uh, what Benjamin already referred to is blending resources, blending resources, public, private, the public grants of the structural funds, but also the local public funds can be used for, for, for a range of things to decrease even the risk from and, and uh, from the, the private investors, for example, or lower the, the, the I mean, the, this is a, 
an another discussion that we can go further on further. So it's bundling, blending, and providing the technical assistance that is needed. I would recognize, knowing a lot of the networks that exist, that a lot of know-how exists. Mm -hmm. What I find that is missing is, is the matching. Uh, the portal of the Commission is interested from that perspective, but the matching on how how do we attract private, how do we talk to the private investors? How do we work with the promotion banks? How do, this kind of information, know-how is mm -hmm. sometimes missing in the social networks. And I hope that this will change now. So from the, the conclusion is there, blending, blending, bundling, and an investment platform is an, an interesting idea. And I worked with ECFIN already on Monday to really see if there's an appetite to inv to create some of the uh, have promoters for investment platforms and there we could have a range of impact bonds or social bonds related to that but I, that brings me to too far Thanks. okay and <coughs> if I may when you were thinking about bundling and blending which you could have come up with a third B of some sorts um, but <laughs> in, in that did you come up did you did you <coughs> find examples of bundling and blending successfully? Just to just give us an example. No, I, th I think there are several examples that will come up uh, here after, I think. Uh, so so I, would, I would listen to first to the, to the examples that come after me. Mm -hmm. And there's a few people here around the table, but I think the, the, the Caisse de Depot, Hemisphere, there's a range of uh, examples that. But I agree okay. with you, sharing more of the examples and making some kind of um, yeah, framework for, for, for this. There, each, each initiative will be different, and it takes a lot of learning from each other to in the pilot phase, sure. I think. But, uh, but yeah. there are examples, no, I indeed. think, that and will I, be and part I'll, of. And I'll bring the case studies in, because it's been good to have here yeah. that broader perspective yeah. from three of you about infrastructure, investment, and policy mandates that need <coughs> to be shifted and changed. But from experience in, in trying to create a, an investment pipeline in the UK and England, what I learned was the, the risk appetite and cultural investment was so diverse that it became now impossible to bring you know, high street bank with a private equity, f equity fund, with a foundation and with an independent government department funding, let's say, to actually share and have a common appetite for risk. But we might come back to that because that seemed to be a stumbling block, um, at least in my experience. Uh, but also cultures of operation uh, seem to kind of stifle. So you, from my experience, having some sort of a broker that enables that to happen is sometimes key and you're not going to get a broker that will come up from the ground. It's sometimes you need to be able to direct a brokering kind of situation mm. uh, at a national state for that to happen. I don't know, but people may have different views. I'm going to bring in, on that, on that note, Tom. Where are you, Tom? There you go. Hello. I'm up, up the corner, so apologies to those who can't see me uh, up here. Um, I am uh, one of the founders of an investment fund uh, which... Uh, seeks to enable um, housing first programs in the UK to scale up and crucially replace uh, existing treatment first programs uh, for people who are experiencing homelessness. Um, I guess um, you could say we, we finance system change and, and perhaps some, mm. some, some of what I'm going to say might be, um, might, might be a little con controversial in terms of the conversation we've had so far. Um, as we've heard um, from people better qualified than, than me, uh, Housing First is 
um, as good as can be, a proven international intervention which delivers better social outcomes at a, at a lower cost for um, people experiencing homelessness across different um, countries and contexts. Um, so what we're doing, probably not actually be considered particularly uh, innovative in a, in a commercial sense, we are helping provide finance to help um, non-profit organizations uh, change, change, change their business model, change the way they work, and, and transition to a new, new way of working. Uh, we've started work in Scotland um, uh, and, and hope to, to, to spread out across the rest of the UK. Why Scotland? Well, because Scotland uh, has some of the most progressive housing laws in Europe and the city of Glasgow in particular mm. is furthest along um, the curve politically in terms of transitioning its uh, sizable homeless services. It's a former industrial city mm. to housing first. Um, our aim is to um, replicate um, and hopefully learn from uh, the, uh, the outcomes of our, uh, that our, our Finnish colleagues have proven um, uh, in that uh, we'd like to see homelessness some, as something which only ever occurs inf infrequently and um, <clears throat> when it does occur is uh, short-lived and non-recurring. Um, the... <clears throat> The reason that we've set up the fund is because um, it's a response to the need to overcome financial barriers when um, organizations working with homeless people change the, the way they work. Um, for a start, there's a need to access um, the precious resource of social housing. Um, uh, there's the need to recover um, where you have an existing extensive uh, homelessness industry to recover as much as possible from existing investment in, in buildings and infrastructure um, and to access new revenue streams um, and they have to be sustainable and long-term revenue streams um, to make the system work going forwards. Um, <clears throat> the specific financial barriers vary from, from city to city. In Scotland the, 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 the barriers in the housing market uh, differ markedly from Glasgow to Edinburgh, uh, to the biggest two biggest cities, which are but 40 miles apart. Um, <clears throat> and but what we will uh, end up doing typically is um, uh, financing uh, not-for-profit housing providers to uh, construct new uh, social housing on uh, the site or even within the building frame of uh, existing institutional hostels and, and, and shelters, um, <clears throat> and to enable them to reprovision the services that were in those buildings in, in their, uh, their stock. We're lucky in the UK in that uh, there still remains a uh, relatively sizable uh, stock of uh, social housing. It's not necessarily all the right type. Um, <clears throat> uh, the fund is, is relatively modestly funded at the moment. Uh, it's got three million of initial investment from uh, charitable foundations, uh, and uh, big society capital, which I think has been alluded to a couple of times already. Um, How much have they given? Uh, two million, with a commitment to raise that to 15 uh, as, as it rolls out Good. across the country. Um, and, uh, but I should also say that uh, our costs are, are being uh, partly grant-funded by some of the same charitable foundations, the Scottish Government, and uh, the European Social Innovation Fund. Um, uh, we've asked to sort of talk about 
lessons learnt in some ways, and actually a lot of them have come out in the discussion al al already. Uh, one of the uh, major uh, pressures we see from our, um, uh, our customers is uh, to uh, lower our, our, our interest rates, and that perhaps isn't terribly surprising. Um, but interestingly, um, our, our cost, cost of funds is... is uh, uh, is, is uh, pretty much the same as the, the largest ha housing associations, the not-for-profit housing providers in the UK, uh, that we, we finance. Um, the complexity comes from the fact that th this is often uh, wrapped up in special-purpose vehicles um, where they have uh, uh, pooled, pooled assets which are charged to um, uh, uh, against uh, commercial or semi-commercial um, Funding organisations. The exactly, uh, EIF point is of uh, risk appetite. Uh, the EIF has historically no, no longer been a, a major funding of, a funder of large mm. housing associations in the UK. Um, uh, we we see uh, uh, so, uh, social um, uh, housing benefit um, uh, and. Um, that you know, some of the problems with that in the UK have been mentioned. One problem that's not been mentioned is the fact that um, uh, that can bias the system to um, uh, fairly weak housing models until a recent government announcement. If you were a uh, not-for-profit homeless charity, you stood to um, uh, collect considerably more housing benefit if you ran a hostel than if you provided someone with a home. And uh, at the extreme, that can mean that you, you, you actually trap people financially it's in good. poor quality housing. Yeah. Um, so to, <clears throat> to, to, to wrap up, um, we're, a, we're a transition fund. We don't think that we are, um, we, you know, we, we are uh, doing anything more than, than tackling a, um, a problem which we think is... Uh, a relatively small part of the picture in social housing. Um, we don't even think that we're um, necessarily uh, part, part of the long-term solution. Organisations like Y Foundation have proved uh, necessarily part of the longer-term picture for Housing First. However, um, the challenge from our Finnish friends has been very much to uh, stop talking, something that we're very good at in the UK, uh, and actually take some action. So mm. this is a... Uh, this is us taking some action and getting things rolling. And just, just for my, I mean, for our benefit, you do both seed funding through to developmental funding, or, or what kind of funding do you provide? We provide uh, secured debt against up to uh, the full value of a former hostel building. Um, that can be to enable the organisation to go and acquire uh, uh, new housing on the open market, okay. which provides them with an income stream, or it might be to enable them to. Uh, if they have housing that can already be used for housing first to enable them to um, realise the value of that building. Sure. And what do you think is the potential of getting private sector investors into your funding model? Uh, it will take, the you it will take a track record. Um, uh, it will also take them... Uh, uh, th there is a... Given the risks that we take and what we, we charge, uh, uh, there, there is a... Um, there is a gulf between what uh, money that takes that sort of risk in the in the private sector and what uh, <laughs> yeah what we are charging our, our, our clients. I mean, uh, probably an order of five to seven percent per annum, um, uh, if not more. So um, there is, we are at a point where interest rates are uh, at the lowest they'll 
e ever be in, in millennia. They're only going to go up from here. And that's the challenge that I think, um, you know, housing is going to have to face. It has had very cheap, low-cost capital. And in the UK, that's, that's now going to get increasingly more expensive. Well, hence the discussions in the, in the budget statement from Mr. Hammond, but uh, let's see what happens around that. Thank you very much. And you've set up some of the challenges there, but actually, um, and it reinforces the experience that actually to get private sector investment or even private equity investors, a hell of a lot more work needs to be done. Um, and it's not simply about track. My experience is not simply about track record, it's about who actually owns the fundamental patient capital or the risk underpinning different ends of the financial flow. But we'll come back to that in a moment. Jill, I want to bring yourself in, in terms of, it's a very different model, mm. obviously, and it'll be good to kind of compare and contrast. Over to you. So good afternoon to, to all, and thanks for inviting me. Um, so first of all, I, I work for a company which is called Adoma. It's a company created 60 years ago to to build quickly social housing for immigrants from North Africa uh, coming uh, in France to rebuild the country. Uh, we have changed since and then, and we have uh, diversified our activities. Uh, first of all, I would like to say a few words about the, the backgrounds of the Hemisphere project mm -hmm. uh, in terms of demand from the French state, in terms of supply, and in terms of Adoma and context in, in my company. Uh, France, in France, there is a lack of uh, accommodation units, uh, huge lack of accommodation units. Uh, every, every year, the French state uh, spends three, $300 €300 euros in, uh, in hotels bills. That means because of this lack of accommodation units, every night 45,000 people sleep at hotels. I read that in, in poor conditions, which I mean poor condition, there is no nowhere to, to cook their meals, and there is no social support on site. Mm. In addition to this context of homeless in France, uh, France, as well as uh, most of Western Europe countries, has to face since uh, 2015 a huge uh, influx of migrants from, um, from Syria, but also uh, Eritrea, Somalia, and, mm. and so on. Uh, in, in response to that, the French state launched, launched two tenders in, at the end of uh, 2016 to face this amount of these uh, huge arrivals and this, this lack of accommodation units. At the same time, um, in France, uh, the, the low-cost model, the low-cost hotel model is is slowing down because of uh, the strong competition of Airbnb alternative solutions. That's the reason why the Accor Hotel Group, uh, at the end of uh, 2015, decided to sell one third of his uh, low-cost hotels, uh, which, which represents about 80 hotels all around the country. And as far as Adoma is concerned, uh, when the two tenders were uh, launched, uh, we had no plan to invest uh, 200, billion, 200, sorry, 200 million euros to buy uh, hotels from Accor, because uh, at the same time, we run, uh, apart from accommodation units, we run 
70,000 70, um, social housing units. We have a huge program of uh, rebuild and replacing of um, these units from 2012 from 2026. We are going to invest 3 billion euros for this program. So we did not have 200 million euros for, for the, these two tenders. So uh, we get in touch with one of our sister company. We belong to the group Caisse de Depot. And one of our sister companies is called Ampère Gestion. And they are specialized in fundraising. Uh, and, and they had recently experienced fundraising projects for a, um, a housing program, which is between social housing and normal housing. It was important to have the sister company because they are uh, used to this kind of um, finance project. And also we needed 200 million very quickly because the tender was launched in September 7, uh, 2016 and we had to give an answer in December, no, at the beginning of November 2016. So we had less than two months to find uh, about 7,000 uh, accommodation units. That's ridiculous. Uh, I know you yes. know that. But That's why you will need it work. quickly to secure 200 million uh, to buy these hotels. So we the tender, uh, con the tender um, uh, concerned 10,000 units and we, we got uh, 7,000 7, out of the 10,000. Uh, Ampère Gestion, which is our sister company uh, within the group, uh, bought the hotels, uh, seven, 61 hotels in June, June and July uh, of this year. And then we started to open our units from July to, to today. At, at that time, 97% uh, of the units are uh, are um, available for the states, for the migrants, for the asylum seekers, for parts, for, for two thirds of them, and for uh, homeless, for one third of them. What is very specific uh, in this project for us is the first time that we, we had to get private funds to buy accommodation, uh, accommodation units. So the fund was, um, uh, Ampère Gestion, our sister company, found 100 million uh, with institutional investors such like banks, such like Caisse Depot, such like insurance company, and 100 million from the CEB. Ah, so for the loan from the CEB. Right, okay. Uh, so half was from the loan from Consumer Fewer Bank, mm -hmm. and half was um, subsidies, subsidies, not finance from banks and insurance groups. So you managed to get insurance groups involved? Sorry? You managed to get insurance groups involved? Yes, because... because uh, which, are the, which are the toughest sometimes? We, we as, as operator uh, of accommodation unit, we did not... It was Ampère Gestion. Because we leased... Ampère Gestion bought the hotel and they leased us the 61 hotels. We run the social support and we provide accommodation in this hotel. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, uh, it's Ampère Gestion raised the funds. Which raised the funds, right? So what is specific in this project, even for uh, us, is 
because in addition to all reports we, we, we owe to the French state further to this tender, we also, uh, we also had to um, define with Ampère Gestion and with uh, SCI Hemisphere uh, social performance targets. It's, it's very new in France in this uh, activity. In this, uh, and uh, so we had to define uh, social targets, four social targets uh, regarding school, regarding um, social benefits, access to social benefits for people we, we, uh, we accommodate. Uh, and also positive outcome, which means uh, the aim of these hotels is for people who we, we welcome, is not to stay in the hotel, it's to get out of the hotel. So we, we, we will be evaluated by the funds on these four items. So you are being evaluated, you are providing yes, yes. support to the communities you're yes. serving as well. Okay. We are evaluated by the French state, of course, okay. and also by the fund. And is that, is that an example of blended finance and bundled finance from your perspective, what you've just heard? Either of you? Kind of. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm not hearing a loud yes, but it's a sort <laughs> of. Okay, great. In, if you were to communicate what you thought were the kind of, if you were to do it again, what are the key lessons that people need to hear about? Uh -huh. I'm going to ask my neighbor to help me because of course, no, I it's very technical, in even in French or in English, you imagine. Though I speak in French and please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> la, la, la première leçon mm -hmm. uh, de ce projet, c'est que sur un plan administratif, mm -hmm. l'État français n'était pas complètement prêt. Ah. Ce qui a été compliqué, ce n'était pas de lever les fonds, euh, c'était de transformer les hôtels, le statut des hôtels, je l'évoque un peu dans un document qu'on qu laisse à la sortie, de transformer l'hôtel d'un statut d'hôtel, justement, en statut de centre d'hébergement. Ça paraît très simple comme ça, ça a été d'une complexité administrative incalculable. Et donc c'est là-dessus qu'on reviendrait. Après les problèmes politiques qu'on a eus d'acceptabilité politique, des ouvertures de place pour des migrants, c'est classique, c'est notre métier, nous avons l'habitude. Donc, si c'était à refaire, nous referions sûrement pareil avec un peu plus de temps de concertation. Là, on n'a pas eu le temps puisqu'on n'avait que deux mois pour répondre. Mais à, cette, à ce bémol près, euh, voilà, il faudrait que le cadre administratif soit revu et il est en train de l'être. Donc, c'est une bonne nouvelle pour de futurs projets. Okay. So, financially speaking, it wasn't that hard, but for, um, there was legal reasons before. You had to change the status of the, um, of the hotels before because they were like commercial hotels that had to be transformed into, um, I would say, um, socially oriented accommodation units. So there was, there was a lot of, I wouldn't would say lobbying, but with the French government. Um, the French government itself wasn't really in agreement with itself because you had from Paris um, total uh, support to the project, but per then in the, in the local terms with the mayors and the, even the prefect, there were, there were resistances towards inclusion of migrants. We all seen the news. I mean, you see the shelters that are burned down. We had local resistance. So that, that was another, uh, another problem. Um, I mean, except this, so more time to do it. But since uh, it, it's, it was a challenge that has been met successfully, 
Um, so I think the biggest lesson that Mr. Devaran uh, thinks would be that there needs to be this legal framework uh, adapted to the situation when you have this kind of uh, accommodation units. So I think we need to talk about the finance. Financially speaking, when you have like your um, long-term investors with solid capacity, when you have institu institutional investors, insurance companies, they, they trust us, then it's, it's okay to go then. One of the things that occurs to me is that um, given the political nature of the situation, you'd have liked to have thought that there might have been alternative solutions than a, than a hotel um, because of the optics. The optics of housing migrants in a hotel in, in, the, in a current narrative is probably kind of um, incendiary. It's like, it's like fireworks when, when people uh, see in their heads and minds that actually people are being put into ready-made units um, I wonder if there were other models. This is not for you to answer right now. I'm just thinking, you know, because there must be a lot of empty property in, uh, in and around the area potentially, and there might be different ways of cutting it. But there's something about <coughs> firing the kind of negative imagery around housing of migrants when you think about them being placed in hotels. It's just what people... That's not the issue. But, you know, in the public media, they're not going to say they're crap hotels. They're going to say they're accord hotels, and these are migrants being housed in accord hotels. But, I mean, that's a separate matter. It's a very separate because in terms of how it feeds the public uh, narrative. But it's good to know that the finance worked. I can imagine the administration would have been a nightmare to do it, especially in that short period of time. But, you know, um, I'm hoping that you know, given the, the flows of migration aren't going away, I just hope governments are thinking, even municipalities are thinking in the long term about, you know, how do you absorb large groupings of people that suddenly arrive on your, on your doorstep, in your border, and in your state? And how do you think more creatively about the solutions you come up with? Leave you wanted to come in very quickly. Yes. I, quick, I quickly would like to add that I'm, I was impressed when, with this example when I looked at, and, and looked at it before, uh, because they don't only house whatever in crap hotels. I don't think they are crap hotels once they are refurbished. But the whole social program around it of employment, of uh, crashes, of uh, for less money than what the mm, government was putting in the hotels was something that is interesting. And then mo monitoring the outcomes with how many people uh, get out of the, get work, get paid, get. Uh, sure. I mean, no, I think that's good. No, no I agree with you. I, my only my point was, wasn't to denigrate it. I think it's great that you moved with speed. It's more the issue of the, the optics. Yeah. It's just another proxy for the kind of public mood. And you add to that this kind of dimension, it just, you know, it's, it just, it's like fireworks. But that was my only point. That's not to take away from the fact that actually what you did was brilliant in the timescale concerned. And the fact, I agree with you, the evaluation, and the fact that you now have a sense of what the unit cost is, if the unit cost is cheaper than other providers, Excellent. Can I just add? I'm going to ask you, yeah, I mean, absolutely, yeah. yourself is quite, if you want to come in, so yourself and then yourself over there, Stefan. Uh, go, no, come in first. No, no, you can come in. Yeah, absolutely. Just say, um, I don't know if anybody else notices, but the model we're held up in Finland, which has ended homelessness in Finland, yeah. is to take people out of institutional settings and separate them. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with your criticism about the hotel. If we're going to be sensitive about 
the idea that it's too good for immigrants is, is a terrible thought. You may be right. You may be right that no, there's I'm that. But saying, let's no, fight the, saying, let's fight the prejudice from yes, it. But I think the real criticism yeah. of it is exactly the wrong direction. Mm. We do not want to institutionalize people, put them in congruent settings, even if you put the social supports around them and all that. We know that that um, undermines their, uh, their individuality, their capacity to operate separately, because there is generations of experience that that's what happens to homeless people and it creates the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the Finnish example is moving in exactly the opposite direction to mm. the French example. And I think that's quite mm. worth, worth drawing attention to. Okay. But there's an element of horses for courses here, isn't there, in terms of the situation they find themselves in um, and you know, the very specific market or market of people, the, pop the population you're catering for is potentially different, but you might say no, you might say no. So, Stefan. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I would like to add from our experience in the Czech Republic that uh, it's been also um, a big topic that the government would buy private hotels uh, with European money, uh, refurbish them and uh, make it as permanent solution uh, for uh, family homelessness. And uh, we actually were able to stop this kind of policy four years ago. And we were very happy because it went um, in totally opposite direction uh, of all the trends in normalization uh, of living conditions of people, social integration, deinstitutionalization. So I, I, I don't uh, um, understand, like, I, I like very much the fact that what you are doing is that your outcome is to get the people out of the hotels, if I understand it well. Mm. And uh, your next step would be to um, sell the hotels again when they are vacant or uh, the, um, uh, destroy them or refurbish them uh, as the Finnish model. So you can make one third of the hotel, you can make autonomous units but you don't want to okay, so reproduce um, uh, institutional care from okay, 50s. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, this, this, is, you know, this is good, com crunchy conversations. That's what we need. So, I mean, no one needs to feel defensive here. It's more about understanding the context and the purpose of what you're doing. And I suppose, very specifically, is it a stepping stone opportunity? What I mean by that is people stay for there for six months and then go into what's been described as normality, yeah. or is it not? No, no, no. There are two categories really differentiated. There are the demandes d'asile. Et il y a les sans-abri. Donc la, le plus gros du marché, c'était les demandes d'asile. Hein, C'est 5000 de nos 7000 places. Les demandes d'asile, euh, je pense que le flux n'est pas prêt de s'arrêter. Donc les hôtels ont bien 10 ans devant eux. Après, si effectivement en 10 ans, il n'y a plus d'arrivée de migrants, peut-être qu'on on détruira les hôtels. Pourquoi pas hein, Ils ont duré 10 ans, on verra ce qu'on fera dans 10 ans. Euh, mais l'idée, c'est de créer du flux. Et nous pensons que ces conditions-là, qui sont sommaires, oui, c'est de l'hôtel. Euh, elles sont suffisantes pour un hébergement qui va durer entre 4, 4 mois au mieux et un an et demi au plus pour un demandeur d'asile, j'entends. Nous pensons que c'est suffisant et c'est beaucoup mieux en tout cas que les campements parisiens ou que les campements de Calais. Voilà, ça c'est la postulat de départ. Et si en plus demain on veut les faire sortir dans du logement, euh, je trouve ce niveau de confort, enfin nous trouvons collectivement à Doma, c'est vrai qu'il y a un débat en France, est suffisant pour rester quelques mois. Hein, il y a des conditions correctes, on entretient bien les choses. Ça fait 20 ans qu'on fait ça et on a un flux. Hein, on, il n'y a pas que les hôtels, on, on, nous gérons 25 000 places et nous avons un, 
un, un taux de rotation tout à fait satisfaisant et tout à fait dans, dans ce qu'attend de nous l'État. Ça, c'est le premier point. Et je vous laisse traduire et je parlerai des, des, des sans-abri après. So, just one thing. Um, two types of public. You have the, the homeless, homeless people and, and asylum seekers. And this one uh, represents like 5,000 of the 7,000 people accommodated by the Hemisphere Project. And they're here for, sh for a short-term stay. Four months until one year and a half maximum. And then they are able to enter the uh, normal market. The thing is, um, it's not the best context. It's not the, uh, th these hotels are, yes, they're clean, they're everything you can do in them. And say it's better than the, the images you can see in the media when I mean, the French government evacuates uh, camps every, almost every week for the past two years now. So the better conditions. And we are actually, what I think Mr. Warren means, it, we are not into the, uh, only into the, uh, into meeting uh, social and social challenges and, uh, and uh, fighting to, to get people back into society. We are fighting an emergency context, a humanitarian situation that Adama wants to, to meet with those hotels and, and provide a long-term long solution instead of um, this ship the hotels with no social social accompaniment and only to, uh, 24 hours, 48 hours uh, revolving. So it's not the same thing. I, I don't think we are just on the same topic. Um, that's it. Okay. I just wanted to sign. Excusez-moi. La deuxième catégorie, yeah. j'arrête là. Ce sont les, les sans-abri au sens classique du terme, sachant que là-dedans, il y a deux catégories. Il y a ceux qui sont en situation régulière sur le territoire, où là, on travaille sur l'insertion, euh, mais l'idée, c'est effectivement qu'il ne reste pas. Et puis, il y a la catégorie des déboutés de la demande d'asile, qui constitue la moitié des effectifs dans ces hôtels. Et là, euh, aujourd'hui, il n'y a, a pas d'autre solution. Et ils sont amenés à rester euh, plusieurs années sur le territoire français avant de pouvoir être régularisés, parce que la plupart d'entre eux ne seront pas reconduits au pays. Euh, voilà. Donc, euh, ce qui est sûr, c'est que ce qu ça a mis fin pour partie au scandale des nuits hôtelières. On a récupéré en Ile-de-France, aux, aux environs de Paris, euh, 1400 chambres environ. Sur les 1400, 1000 étaient déjà occupées par des gens qui étaient là depuis des années, qui n'avaient plus rien à y faire. Donc le simple fait d'avoir mis un travailleur social sur place, en quelques semaines pour les premiers, le flux il a commencé, on a pu trouver, travailler sur l'emploi et le logement, et les gens sont partis. Donc le flux a été réamorcé, pour un coût moindre. In a few words, um, you have also to consider the legal status of the people that are, that are being hurt with in the temporary conditions. So, but the the most important thing with the uh, thing to end this curse with the uh, these budget hotels that the state pays and uh, then dismisses the problem. There is no social accompaniment, no social coaching. Um, Adam found out that by just proposing coaching to some people. In a few weeks, people who were there for years now, actually, they didn't have that much issues to deal with before entering normal conditions. Um, we can also quote the studies by the uh, Semi Social de Paris, which is the, um, which many of you know, I'm sure, uh, which showed that 25% um, of uh, families uh, in those hotels um, had not seen a social worker in like two years. Absolutely. So how do you do that? No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the themes that's come out of today, which we've all known 
those of us who've been in housing or know it, is that actually a house on its own is not good enough. You need a package of support and routes and pathways connected to housing that gets people into stability. So we know that absolutely. There's a number of you want to come in, and I know your hands are there. So I want gentlemen there first. Then I'll, come, then I'll come to you. Hello, everybody. François de Bourgain from uh, Cohes Invest. And I'll ask you to be because yes. I'm, I'm running out of time, unfortunately. Sorry. So go on. Um, just to refocus the conversation on mm. uh, financing innovative mm. housing solutions. Uh, and I think the, the, the example here of Adoma is actually uh, remarkable, uh, linking to the point that Liv made about uh, attracting private investors mm. at scale. And I think here it shows that if you provide the right product to private investors, institutional investors, you can really attract private capital at scale to such products. You, you, you guys have raised 200 million. Uh, I mean, here in Belgium, we have set up a social housing uh, fund to invest, to buy uh, real estate and rent it to low-income people. And we have, we have set up such a program where we've been able to manage the risks for investors. Now we've raised about 100 million. And the goal is to go uh, on the stock market in a couple of years to provide liquidity uh, for investors because that's a solution they, they demand. But my point is that uh, what, what's very important when uh, thinking about financing solutions for the housing is first to start with what investors are looking for and basically design around that. How did you and manage it? So in terms of you being able to kind of, because that's hugely successful that you've done that, I, I imagine a relatively short period of time. Two years, yeah. Two years. So mm -hmm. what was your approach? What kind of product were you offering to private sector investors that you're even going to go to the stock market? So, 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 so basically it's a REIT, like you have in the, uh, in the US, so basically a, a real estate investment fund uh, where uh, investors come in and receive a yearly dividend yield uh, that is not very high. I mean, it's maybe about around 3% uh, a year. But what, what, what is very important is, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, what is very important is uh, the management of the risk. And sure. here, in the Belgian context, uh, we believe the Belgian government has, has made something pretty uh, interesting, which is providing long-term guarantees to private owners of uh, real estate that is being dedicated to social housing. So if you own a building and you rent it for social housing uh, to, to low-income tenants, and our first building was for homeless people, actually, mm -hmm. You don't run the risk of these people not paying the, their rent at the end of, of, of the day. Oh, I see. So they because the government is guaranteeing capital underpinning this. So, so it's not. Been, it's, it's a guarantee. Oh, it's actually and, and, and a guarantee. So that, 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 that's okay. an interesting uh, blended model where basically investors come in in a way with okay. risk capital, but the revenue is guaranteed it's by guaranteed. government. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for that. Please come in. Sorry, yeah, I'm Simon Chisholm from Resonance. Um, we're a UK social impact investor, and I guess I just wanted to kind of add um, something that kind of I think got passed over a little bit at the beginning of the, the first um, speaker, which is impact measurement, because we're talking about putting in place some structures that are going to lead to some pretty significant capital flows into spaces which may not have seen those before. Um, and I think it's really interesting, the models around the table. We, we in many ways, have... Um, constructed in the UK, a similar model to the Belgian one that's just been mentioned, where there's about 140 million at the moment into the homelessness sector for move-on accommodation. But my point about impact measurement is who sets the measurement? Because going back to the comment that was made by the gentleman from the Belgian Foundation this morning, our belief is that we need to look to the social sector organisations that have the theory of change which is working and set the measures around that. Because 
Otherwise, there is a significant risk that the structures we create will throw a lot of good theories of change off course. So, for example, when we set up this um, homelessness investment fund for property, we went to the organization, the homelessness organization, and said, what is it that makes your model work? Let's build the measures around that, rather than going to the investors and saying, what do you want? And, and, that, and that, for us, was quite fundamental. Indeed, and, indeed. And I think it's going to be a theme that's going to recur again and again. Are we looking to the organisations that affect change? As we create structures which absolutely need to meet the needs of investors, I mean, ours too, and all of these structures need mm -hmm. to meet the needs of investors, but they also need to measure their success based on are they amplifying real theories of change that, that work on the ground? No, absolutely, and that's it's been one of the critical well, aspects of social yeah. investment, that actually it's taken, it hasn't looked at outcome measures. I'd only add is that I, I get the point about the structures that are around the problem, i.e. in terms of theories of change that work, but surely it's a better solution to have the investor and the agency that solves the problem to co-produce a set of outcome measures, actually, rather than simply rely on one partner to do that because actually they're closer to the, the target market. Um, I, think, I think if you are able to co-produce those, then you have a better understanding between financer and supplier of, uh, of the solution, but, you know. Ab absolutely, I think, I think it's just the case that the money comes with such weight that Indeed, unless we put disproportionate focus on the, the social on the sector social, side, absolutely. We, we don't get that balance. Gentlemen here, I, who I can't see, say who you are. And I am running out of time desperately. Okay, I, I won't be long. Um, I, uh, I'm Aidan Coltane. I work for a company called Urbio Residential, which is a fund to bring tenure into social, to bring uh, units into social and affordable uh, accommodation, as well as private. But the key for us has actually been the need to address supply generally in Ireland. It's an Irish fund. Mm. Uh, and we spent more or less three years going around trying to market a social and affordable only fund and found there was very, very little, very little traction for that. What unlocked it for us was to actually say, we're going to actually go into the private market. So we now have about 30% social, 70% um, um, uh, market. But the attraction for investors on the social side is the government underpinning. So the impact side of it, it's very, very hard. The impact, when we go and talk to investors, there's a very select bunch of investors who deal in social impact. Mm. Most of them deal in hard cash. Indeed. Um, and so for us, I, I, I would love if we were had, had more impact focus, but for us, we're more or less selling the government underwrite as the uh, to the investors as the as, as, as the key to it. But to unlock the money, we've raised 100 million so far. We'd expect to double or treble that in the coming weeks. Uh, the key for us has been the mixed tenure. The fact now in Ireland, as I say, there is a problem with general supply, not just social and affordable supply. So we're addressing that. Mm. But the mixed tenure has been what's unlocked. Has been what? Yeah, absolutely, a very good lesson. Um, Stephen, it's yourself, sorry, yeah. Again, very briefly. Yes, thank you very much. It's Sebastian Garnier. I'm uh, from Dutch uh, Social Housing. Um, so my question is indeed coming back to, to the finance and the, and the uh, reporting. I was wondering in, in this case where I think it's, it's a very innovative uh, example, very nice from the social housing perspective, but especially from the fi financial and the impact side where I think the social, you have a social performance uh, indicator which uh, you use also to for the return now the return is based on uh, on that was that a demand from the, the government the public public side or from the private uh, investor side and if, if if that's the case how do they use it how important was it for for them to have this this uh, visibility of the social uh, impact i mean we we try to understand how to um, better link up with the uh, with the uh, needs of the financial actors here and I'm always struggling about how can we help them to show it in their 
final impact reports. Thank you. Again, very, very briefly, I'm afraid. Oui. Euh, ah ben, les, les, les objectifs de performance sociale, c'était effectivement une exigence des financeurs, mais ils avaient des exigences plus fortes que l'État lui-même. Ça, c'est quand même assez important de le dire. Donc, nous avons fait diverses propositions, propositions qui devaient aussi quand même euh, euh, correspondre à ce qu'attendait l'État de nous. Hein, et on ne pouvait pas avoir des objectifs divergents. Et euh, après plusieurs échanges, on est convenu... Euh, de rester sur quatre indicateurs qui sont présentés dans le document qui est laissé là-bas. Euh, mais ça ne s'est pas fait du jour au lendemain. Il y a eu des échanges par rapport pour trouver un compromis entre notre cahier des charges avec l'État et leurs exigences à eux en termes de performance sociale. Et on a même dû les faire évoluer la semaine dernière par rapport à des petits changements sur le public accueilli. Et ça s'est aussi très bien passé, mais dans, dans l'échange. Et on a trouvé dans les deux cas une issue favorable. Very briefly, um, well, just from the um, investors actually were had, were more, I would say, proactive in wanting the social indicators than was the state. Um, also, this specific project is again, it's a it's a tender from the state, so th there was this arbitrage between uh, accommodating the wishes of the of the investors and also answering the specific call from the state. So in the end. They, um, the expectation managed to be um, to be met with these four social indicators: you know, uh, schooling, uh, access to rights, and uh, of course uh, the success of the of the outcome. And well, I think things pretty good with this. Just a short comment. I I may have a different narrative, but uh, our experience is that temporary accommodation, whatever name you have it, hotel, hostel, shelter is not a stepping stone. It's the worst structural obstacle for finding permanent housing solutions. It may be a tool to manage homelessness, but it's certainly not a way to end homelessness. From your perspective, you're in that situation. State has an issue, has a problem, has got the money, has got the partnership. What would you have done? Well, simply buy and build housing, affordable okay. housing. S'il vous plaît, juste 30 secondes. Je voudrais rappeler que les trois quarts des gens que nous accueillons dans ces hôtels sont des gens qui n'ont pas le droit au logement. Mais je suis d'accord pour une partie d'entre eux qui ont les droits sociaux, qu'il faut leur... Bien sûr, ils seront mieux dans les logements et donc c'est le travail. Mais avant, il faut juste qu'ils aient leurs droits sociaux. Et bien sûr, l'étape immédiate, ça doit être le logement. Je suis d'accord. Mais c'est une minorité des 7000 places. Voilà. In less than 30 seconds. Um, Let's remind them the people who were accommodated by the MSI project are denied housing in the first place because of their legal status. So, of course, it's not ideal. Let's first create this transition phase where they are accommodated, gains uh, access to their rights, and then they, they will enter the, the benefits of uh, living in France. Okay. Great, thank you very much. I'm going to move on to our other um, uh, discussants who have been waiting really patiently. Um, Jean-Pierre, if I can bring you in. Again, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to even, if you just focus on what you'd like to share in terms of what you think, given what you've heard so far, okay. what learning can you share? Uh, well, regarding innovation, the question will be, uh, when we try to think of new mechanisms, will be to keep in mind the question of scale. Mm. This morning, Cedric mentioned the question of a big pipe. Sometimes you need a big pipe. 
Of course, some of you have probably already heard of a big pipe we have. That is, we use 6% of private savings in France, private money, which provide loans to very long term to social housing organizations. Last year, we provided 60 billions of euros for building 100,000 dwellings. A loan on 40 to 60 years loan at a rate of 1.35. Rates are low mm. for people from East Europe. It's very low, but it's usual in this part of, of Europe. Okay, is that enough? No. The pipe is big. The production is big. The loan is not enough. The loan is enough for financing 75% of the building. That means you need to find 10% from the government, from the local authorities, and 15% from equities from the social organization. According to this scheme, is it sustainable? It is sustainable with a rent of six euro per square meter, but you need some, a little bit of public money and some equities. How do you take equities? You, you get equities if you have a good old stock of housing which had been amortized and which are cash cow. That is, it's a tenant of the old building which helps you to build new buildings for the new tenants. So the mechanism is partly self-sustainable, but not entirely. And I speak under control of Gilles for that. The point is, if we put the rent at eight euro, mm. it could be only on loan. If, but a large share of the people, including some of his customers, if they go housing first and if they enter social housing, they will need probably a rent of, of uh, they could afford, they could afford a rent of four euro. I just give these figures to 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 be sure. short. Mm -hmm. The point is. Uh, we have discussion in France, is the system self-sustainable or could it be operating with some money from other bodies, including an employer's fund? A second point I'd like to stress, and this morning we heard something very interesting. If you have to house 100 people, you need a buffer and you need much more. Mm. That position, we, we have it in France, strongly. Last year and for last, the last 10 years, we have been building 370,000 dwellings a year. That is six, 4,000 inhabitants. It's one of the highest share in Europe, only Switzerland makes more. So we are big builders. Is that enough? Alors, on a mentioned it. Uh, in the Paris, in the capital region, it is probably not enough. We probably need more than 70,000 dwellings. Uh, I heard the figures about 50,000 in, in London. Well. Uh, for, for us, we don't think that even 70,000 is not enough. No, if I could just cut a up, because the issue about the evidence-based policymaking is that yeah. we know the demographic is going to change in France and most countries across Europe in terms of the youth market that will enter the, the, the housing, yeah. uh, housing market in the next 10 years alone. We think that for the next 10 years, we will need probably the same, the same quantity, including for reducing the gap. But okay. the point is, uh, um, today we have been talking from countries from various size. Uh, the point is the word we have been talking about town, but the point are territories. It's true that 
in the capital region, it's perhaps not enough. On other territories, there is a debate. Perhaps we build too much. That's a question on some territories. Mm. Uh, this is discussion, and that's the people from the local Uchmag and towards the question and from the town. Uh, the management of existing stock is a question. Should we improve it or reuse it? The point is uh, building it is a way of obliging the old stock either to improve or to disappear. That might be a bit uh, short to say that. But anyway, what you need is local expertise. Uh, the third point I could point out, it's, uh, this morning we have been talking a lot, um, somehow, of owner occupation, I understand, in some countries. Uh, uh, the experience we, we found very important in France, I, I don't explain how we finance uh, owner occupation, but the main point are guarantee and insurance scheme. During the, uh, before the crisis, the, the global financial crisis, during and after, we have no home repossession in France, nearly no. So it's very important if you want to start owner occupation to low income or to middle low income people, the experience we have, it is rather successful if you have a wide range of guarantee scheme. It might be private insurance. It might be we have the employer's fund. We even have a fund, um, which is organized by social housing organization. They buy you back the house if you cannot stay in it, and okay. you stay as tenant. Right. So the point is, I know because uh, there is discussion about what is repossession in some countries, mm. I don't think it's perfect. Uh, perhaps the grantee scheme doesn't open the, the space for very low income. That's a question, uh, but for low income, it might be operating. Um, this, the, um, ah, two last points. Um, we have a strong discussion about schools of uh, social rental housing, shelters, the very poor and the poor. Uh, we have discussion then about the social mixed and the cost. That's why I mentioned the discussion about six euros, eight euros, or four euros. It's, it's rather complicated. We probably need four euros. Uh, rent at four euros. Uh, when we speak of the social uh, rental sector, which is about 70% of the housing stock in France, uh, now the question when we talk of the traditions was to make social mix. Mm -hmm. The point is social mix is not to mix poor and rich. The social mix is to mix very poor and poor. And we really have a debate about that. And it's beyond, uh, it's not so far from the discussion as the question you sure. asked to Gilles about the people who will stay and some will go after. Now, I will finish with an example which perhaps will help to understand more what was presented by Gilles. It's a local scheme called Solibai. It's a scheme which is developed in the Paris region. What is this scheme? In the Paris region, Following the, the Scottish example, there is a right to housing, mm. and some homeless people should be sheltered by uh, governmental bodies. And overnight, what was the answer? It was hotel. And it cost 17 uh, euros per night per head. That is for a lady with one child, it's 34 uh, euros. That is for one month, 
thousand euros. The method which has been developed for the last three years, uh, which is a bit different from, it's a kind of housing first. How do we do? Uh, so a non-governmental organization, a not-for-profit organization, rent in the private sector some flats or houses. If Let's say the flat costs 600 euros. Through, uh, we find through social services, homeless people, homeless families, they will pay one-fourth of their income. That is, if they earn uh, 800 euro a month, they yeah. will pay 200. They will enter the flat. We rent the flat. They, sub, they are subletters, subtenant. Yeah, yeah. I say we because I'm part as well of one of these organizations. I don't do anything. They do that. Uh, I'm just talking. So, the, the people, they rent the flat. It costs uh, 600. They pay 200. They receive housing benefit, like the Wohngeld or housing, British housing benefit, for 200. The balance is provided by a special fund from the uh, region of Paris. So that's how it's paid. How long it lasts? It's supposed to last 18 months because there is what you call uh, social workers or what you call uh, management care. And, uh, sounds better than social workers. Um, uh, and, of course, we try to help them to, after 18 months, to reach a perfect, uh, they are in a perfectly normal housing. Uh -huh. And they, after 18 months, they should go somewhere else, might be social rental sector, might be private sector, or, and we should accompany, the social workers should help them through various methods to enter an housing. So it's a kind of housing first, first. And after, they should Social. be isolated. Yeah, so absolutely. there was a, just a last example, which is a part of the scheme different from what was mentioned before. Absolutely, yeah. It shows the kind of there is a different approach uh, for, for different circumstances. But there is this issue that sometimes, actually, when you're trying to think about the, the city, how do you look at the region? And in terms of you have small towns and urban and you know, rural areas almost dying in various parts of Europe. And actually, how do you reinvest in those? And, give, and let pressure out of the systems in cities? And how do you urban plan differently rather than simply making the city tighter and more pressurized? How do you look more geographically at the areas that are actually falling down and could require, would actually benefit from different communities being held? But I'm not going to dwell on that for the moment. Um, Rizzo, can, can I bring you in, in terms of, you know, from Italy, you've, you know, you've, you're managing or you've set up a real estate. Yes, thank you. Okay, I will try to be as short as, as I can. Uh, my name is Chiara Rizzica. I work for a non-profit organization in, based in Milan, that is Fondazione Housing Sociale. We are basically um, an advisor. Uh, we make a, a consultant work for what is now the most important funding platform in Italy for social housing, that is an integrated fund of, uh, system of funds. Here there is Livio Cassoli from Casta Depositi e Prestiti from Italy. He's in the head of management of um, uh, the FIA, that is the fund that uh, uh, is the, the platform for funding our initiatives. So he's much better qualified than me to answer questions about pro and cons on the financial, the financial perspective. Okay. But what I will just 
give you us some insights of our own experience by the perspective of being a social and technical advisor is what will has been mentioned during all the day that financial aspects are one part, one mm, say I would say one pearl of the whole necklace in social housing because in our experience uh, there is uh, the strongest element is is the chain of innovation we we try to provide in each project. I mean that there is uh, a strong effort in uh, establishing and uh, uh, implementing new model of funding and the integrated system fund is one of these uh, and there is an effort in uh, um, studying and um, proposing projects that have an urban and architectural elevated quality and there is a strong effort in what is place making and community startup mm -hmm. and community building because of course if you don't see the whole chain from the money to the people let me <laughs> pass this quite short expression uh, you are not able to see uh, which are uh, the effective aspects what is working well what could be uh, implemented what is not working and, mm, and in you, this perspective and do you find that the, has the finance that you've got helped you to take a more place-making approach or have you had to insert it and assert it well, of course it has, because it was conceived... Sorry, so you can't say that when you've got the funder right in front of you, can you really? But okay, yeah. I will be sure. <laughs> of course it has, because uh, all the, scheme, all the financing, financial scheme is, has been conceived looking at the big picture. At that bigger picture, okay. So uh, I will ask leave you maybe to add some okay. mm, all right, thank elements. You. Thank you very much. Can I ask, can I bring you in? So clearly what we're hearing is that you had an enlightened approach to pulling the money together. It wasn't restrictive. Is that no, the case? Y yes. Uh, the, the first thing is that um, we start from a successful point, point of view in terms of fundraising. So the fund was, was raised uh, before crisis, and we are talking about $2 billion. So uh, one of, uh, half, half of that was part of um, Casa Deposite Prestiti, so the National Promotional Bank. Yes. So this is the, 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 the guideline. Then we raised public money from, uh, from Italian government and from uh, banks and insurance companies that share the view of focusing on, on this kind of social, was some sort of social impact infrastructure uh, anti-literum <laughs> before. Um, so uh, our target return is 2% uh, plus in, uh, CPI index. So it's little bit less than we have seen. Indeed. Uh, so we have to build, build up a system so uh, the social impact, the social aspects were key in order to complete the fundraising. Then, the, I don't want to annoy you, but this is a fund of fund structure, so we deploy this money in, in uh, 30 different real estate funds locally that raise uh, other money from... But is the fund of funds made up of it, of a multiple set of investors or is it simply what you just got the bank and and one other uh, uh, at the fund of a level uh, we have two billion and it's blocked in a certain way then we have some rule in order to uh, uh, multiply this, uh, this okay. funding at the local level okay. so we have uh, municipalities or other public governments mm -hmm. local public governments mm -hmm. or uh, local financial institution like uh, banking foundation but also real estate players 
that they have to, to build new houses okay. and they want to, to share the risk. I want to move on to Otomir as our, our last dis contributor to this discussion, but just very briefly, do you play the role of government in terms of providing guarantee, as we've heard, or you don't do that? Who, no, who does we, the guarantee? we don't have uh, government guarantees. So this is, uh, this is pure private uh, in terms of investment. Then at, at the fundraising level, this is uh, public-private uh, okay. partnership. Oh, okay. Um, what Livio described, it's uh, an hybrid model. Mm -hmm. I, I think this uh, has to be stressed because it is one of the key factors of the mm -hmm. success. Mm -hmm. well, of course, it's an ongoing project. We have built not so many projects to say that, okay, we are successful at all, but we are dealing with that. So the hybrid structure is a key factor of this case. And the other key factor is that you have a prototype that has been studied for a number of reasons in Milan and Lombardy region. I don't, I don't have time to, okay. to talk about that. But the, uh, this prototype was um, introduced as, uh, at a local level and then was scaled up uh, at a national level, being a national platform for funding. So this is a lesson learned. Uh, I would like to share with all, because this morning we have been listening to people uh, um, telling stories and case studies that were maybe little or, or very, um, uh, uh, or, or collocated in a very specific zone, like the case of Montenegro, or uh, from Barcelona we heard yeah. about other projects. So the idea is that what it can be experimented locally shall be, should be Project, projected and put on uh, on a upper level, but does need to have an uh, intermediate level who makes connection sure, actors. Sure. And we'll come back to that. As we a good, good recommendation <laughs> as we conclude. Otomi, last but not least. Good afternoon. My name is Certomir Remetz. Uh, I took over Slovenia National Housing Fund two years ago, and at the same time, uh, new uh, national uh, housing uh, uh, policy was accepted uh, with uh, focus on renting. And uh, almost 90% of activities uh, of, uh, of this national uh, uh, housing program is uh, somehow expected that will be fulfilled from uh, our organization. Uh, for better understanding, uh, I uh, would give you some historical background. Uh, the initial capital uh, came from uh, privatization of uh, published uh, housing fund uh, when Slovenia became independent from former Yugoslavia. And, uh, after only few state uh, founding happened, and last year's almost nothing. So you can understand that we have a, we have a, a heavy duty, but we are lucky that uh, uh, in the in the past uh, the operation of the of the housing fund went in two direction. Uh, half of the project were for renting. Uh, renting 80% social and 20% affordable, uh, higher standard, and the second half 
was for uh, uh, somehow transfer to sail out uh, up to the priorities to young uh, and bigger families. So uh, this is uh, the background that at the moment uh, we have some uh, uh, own, uh, funding to execute the activities from the national uh, housing policy. And uh, what uh, we are planning, uh, till 2000, uh, we, we have in the, now, the, the project are still uh, running on, uh, about 2,000 new flats and another 2,000 till 2025. How to finance this? Uh, uh, as I said before, we have uh, about 50% own funding and the other comes from, uh, should come from the loans uh, we are allowed uh, to take a loan up to 30% of the capital, so we are limited. So there are two, two uh, 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 we are limited with the own and with the, with the loans. So the third uh, uh, opportunity is like in the past to sail out, but in a different way. Uh, to sail out uh, uh, with the contract in advance after five or 10 years to those who are able to pay because uh, uh, I strongly believe that uh, this action could accelerate uh, solving housing problems uh, because uh, why for those who are able uh, to continue with the, with the renting if they would like to buy. And uh, the second problem I have, how to maintain the affordable uh, rent, five to seven euros per square meters uh, without any subsidies, as I told you before. So what uh, we, will, we are doing, efficient uh, land management, uh, we optimize construction costs via BIM uh, and mm -hmm. other, other engineering actions and uh, uh, for sure energy efficiency, last hundred flats were built as nearly zero building. So uh, lower operating cost and uh, we still improve this with facility management because now uh, we have a big project uh, with 600 flats in one piece and uh, facility management could bring uh, a lot. So my idea is uh, participate global and act local. <laughs> thank you. Good message on a number of levels. Um, thank you, thank you very much for that. As, as you can see, time is running um, out. Um, we could clearly go on uh, much longer, but we have committed to close at four. And I, I really did want to spend um, at least uh, the last 20 minutes or so on thinking about how we take forward the next steps from here. Um, this is our first mm -hmm. platform event. We, I think you'll all agree, actually, the richness has been being able to exchange the various experiences and trying to draw out what the lessons might be and what, what the applicability of those might be. And also, I, I think to a certain extent, um, the way in which various of you have created uh, financial portals or financial pipelines uh, and the kind of lessons about public guarantees and public subsidy, as well as the issues around tenure and the, whether you have to go for um, you know, private and social as a blended mix uh, to, to attract investors. Uh, but also the product matters, uh, especially if you want to scale. And, you know, what we haven't heard is, haven't seen a real 
example, or rather a developed example of that very blended and bun bundled example that you refer to, Lee. But clearly, around this table, the app, the app, the app, there's an aptitude, and your report that will come out. When is it coming out again? Is it tomorrow, or is it next week? When's the report coming out? Um, we're not sure on the date yet because ah. it's with the proofreaders for the moment. Of course, okay, that's a very good response. So uh, <laughs> when your report does come out, it's clear that you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity to bring some of this kind of platform experience to bear in terms of the recommendations about blended and bundled um, um, opportunities. But clearly we need to be able to share some of this around the table. I just want to kind of final kind of comments. I know that you need to, you need to rush, Benjamin. So um, you, you set out a number of things which uh, provided a hope, a sense of hope in terms of simplifying, <coughs> reducing duplication, make it easier to navigate and create opportunities to cross-pollinate funds mm -hmm. and platforms. But you also identified the challenges in terms of you know, technical expertise. Who plays the role of intermediary to a certain extent at, at, a, national, uh, at a national level? Mm -hmm. But those are things you can't overcome from the centre, as you, as you noted. But you set out the potential for this platform to be able to contribute in some shape or form. So your final thoughts and any thoughts on what, how, how can we help? How can this platform help you and others that are thinking about finance and housing finance? It's a very big question. Um, <laughs> as I said, we are in the process of designing the, the new instrument. So we already agreed now this morning actually on the general architecture of the new uh, InvestEU fund, that would be the name of the future single fund uh, in, the, in the next MFF. But now we are entering the second stage of our work, which is designing the four or five policy windows mm. that we will have. And one of these policy windows will be on social inclusion. Which there will be another one on infrastructure, but social housing is more likely to end up in social inclusion. Mm. So basically, uh, now is the moment for all parties to brainstorm when can, what kind of instruments are needed for making it happen. Mm. And uh, from an investor point of view, what would be uh, the most helpful? From uh, a, a non-profit organization point of view, uh, what kind of action from uh, the public authorities would be needed to, to support uh, their development on the ground? And if I take some lessons from today, uh, I think it showed the importance of associating uh, private and the public mm. to be innovative and to limit the red tape on the public side. I think the, the French example was quite terrible. It shows also that scaling up matters mm. and that scaling up is difficult in this sector. It's very difficult. So we, we need to uh, facilitate it and facilitate investment platform by blending, by technical assistance, but also by showcasing. Mm. That is, once we have good examples that work, explain them, make a lot of publicity so that people can draw inspiration from it and don't have to reinvent the wheel each time they're trying to do something. And would there be an opportunity for, let's say, this coalition of people on this platform to be able to engage with you about the the, you know, the, the social window, as you call it, or the social inclusion pillar, and helping to design or even give ideas or suggestions as to how it could be designed? Of course, uh, ideas are always welcome, and uh, <laughs> we certainly need some, because uh, the, the MFF, for those of you which are not fully familiar with the European framework, will frame the, 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 the development of the budget of the Union for the next five to seven years. Exactly, that's why I asked, yeah. So when designing the new instrument, we really uh, set a lot of things in stone, 
And uh, that's the moment where we have to do it right. Mm. Because once it's there, it's very difficult to address. Exactly. So that's why I asked. Do not hesitate to share, to share your view, to send uh, contribution and ideas to, to basically to DG Action, DG Budget, and DG Employment, which in this field are the three DGs which will contribute the most. Okay, thank you okay. very much. Any other views and thoughts about how you know, the concrete steps or actions that we should take based on what you've heard so far? What would be useful to you, some of you, as we move forward? I know it's been tiring and it's been, it's been a long day, um, but any specific, because cause clearly there's something about carrying on the sharing of expertise and experience. It, from an, uh, you know, someone that's not involved in the field, I found it rich in terms of hearing the different experiences, the different financing models that were shared around this table. And would that be helpful to kind of continue sharing that information uh, in some way? What are the other ways in which could the platform be useful? Um, yeah, in, in Ireland, five of the large uh, voluntary housing bodies have come together already to try and source funding. Um, and I think that there's that concept of the platform, the funding platform and so on, and what actually is required to turn what has been achieved in Ireland into something which can be described as a platform which the financial side will understand what maybe you describe as, as the expertise. Mm. But that's very definitely missing. There's the will and there's a product and there's the expertise and there's this brought this thing together. But it just doesn't know where to go from there and make its contribution towards the housing problem. So that further discussion of what these platforms look like and mm -hmm. what is required from them for them to be meaningful be in, in terms of, of, of engaging with the funding side would certainly, from, from our perspective, be very useful. Excellent. You need to put your... Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's, I think it's great that we receive really good news from the Commission and from the ELDI in the sense that uh, finance will be available in the future if we meet certain criteria. But my preoccupation, uh, my worry is that um, we cannot conceive projects only on behalf of leverage. We have to have some equity as well. And uh, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in most of the cases that we have quote, the equity is very domestic and is rooted to the history of a social or affordable uh, national system. How can we jump that barrier? And let me put an example. It has been quote, big, Big, big capital, big capital, big society, capital. capital, and Orbit as well, for example. These two partners are not allowed, I don't know if legally or by convention, they are not allowed to operate outside the United Kingdom. No. And we can, we can choose other examples, and it will happen the same. So in our case, in Barcelona and in Spain, uh, we will profit for, from your, uh, uh, from your uh, resources in the future, I'm, I'm sure. But the problem is how to um, reach some base of equity that I'm a threat that it won't be Spaniard. Yes, so you're, what you're saying is one of the things that might come out is actually having a fund of funds which operates across yeah. Europe that provides that kind of leverage or guarantee or whatever, um, and which would be a good thing, but I'm not sure whether you, what you think about that because you might think actually that's too much centralism, centrist and uh, centralization of funding. But actually there is something about if, if ESF can operate Europe-wide, why not have a fund of funds that is able to fund this kind of approach? Uh, but do you want to come back on that or would you prefer not to? Well, we, we have already one very big fund of fund in our structure that's called the European Investment Fund, mm. <laughs> yes. which is uh, one of the largest funds in the world. Uh, 
it is a bit active in the sector, not a lot, it's a bit active. One of the difficulties for the public authorities when acting uh, on equity is that when, when acting via our partners, EIB, EIF, it's very capital consuming for mm -hmm. them. So they can do a bit, but they're always reluctant to do a lot. And that is why uh, we, we need to look for blending, but blending by using uh, a grant component to provide the equity tranche uh, in the structure. And that's one of the reasons why we are simplifying the framework for structural funds to be used for these kind of things. Because today, when you use it, you have to respect all the rules applicable to structural fund and all the rules which are applicable to the investment fund itself. And you need a PhD in red tape, basically, yeah. to be able to do it. <laughs> sure. There is, I mean, to go back to your point, and I'll bring you in, um, the reason why Big Society Capital cannot fund outside of the UK is that the origination of the money, the money was drawn from unused bank accounts. No, no, it happens, all, so, you know, it happens know, all over. The, and it happens all over. The umbrella absolutely. fund in Italy cannot operate outside Italy. Indeed. So it's and Caixa de General de Depot can, cannot operate outside uh, France. That, that, that's the way it goes. Mm. The problem is that some member states I believe that we won't have the capacity to raise equity within our frontiers, mm. Mm. or at least relevant equity. Mm. Absolutely. But there is something about the scope for, you know, given you've had about four examples here of people who have raised quite significant capital sums, I wonder if there's a way in which actually some of those networks could speak to each other to see what kind of facility that's come from the private sector rather than from government that can create that space. You never know. It's been done. And you've got the ethical ban uh, banking infrastructure in Europe. Um, that could be persuaded, potentially, I don't know, but that, you know, there are ways and means that could, doesn't have to rely on the red tape monster of, you know, of, of government, but you're going for, I meant that in the nicest way, um, in, the, in, the, you know, in the sense of private sector initiative coming through equity finances and others pulling, pulling their finances. I'll bring you in in a second, Tom. Uh, when speaking about uh, innovations in housing finance and in about the design of future housing programs in financial way, I would like just to recommend that uh, maybe uh, internal potential uh, potential of uh, future beneficiaries of end users of, uh, of these housing uh, apartments could be taken into consideration and how, how they can complement to these uh, initiatives, although uh, because it also affects finance. For example, I'm speaking about uh, cooperative housing and mm. how it can be taken into consideration on the higher level, or maybe incremental housing, which also had proved uh, positive uh, impacts uh, worldwide. Absolutely. That, and we didn't mention it today. No, and there's been not much talk about actually uh, an ownership model, which is tenant-led, uh, where you know tenants actually have the shareholding, and because of what they do in a wider sense, uh, are almost the owners of the land or the property and it has a very different, a different type of risk associated with it, but can lead to greater sustainability over the long term if those who are residing in it own it and run it and then do things for people who are in, in various categories. But that's, an, you know, that's a type of model that does exist out there, but, but we didn't talk about it here today. Um, Tom, you want to come in and then I'll bring... Very quickly, um, I mean, we're talking a lot about equity and where it comes from. Um, we've talked about, you know, uh, for about six, eight euros a square foot, rents, if you look at what build costs are, which are north of 150 euros a square foot, mm. and the, 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 the returns, and that's you know, the financial returns available on that, mm. there, you know, there isn't any private equity mm. who, that has return hurdles that, that low. And the only um, 
international market I'm of any scale that I'm aware of where private capital has been dragged into social housing, um, they wouldn't call it that at full scale, is the US. And that's because of a pretty significant tax break in low-income housing tax credit. So that um, that's probably not something that anyone want here to <laughs> wants to follow. Given but what happened to the market, absolutely. It is illustrative of um, what is necessary to, to really bring um, you know, private capital in as the risk-taking element of uh, social, social, uh, social housing uh, funding structure. Mm. Um, and until uh, something really radical changes, uh, you are going to be left with looking for, for public funds that can uh, you know, e e you know, either take below or no cost mm. for your equity. Absolutely. Sarah Goupchou, Fondation Abbé Pierre. Um, I just would like to, to say that the platform could be um, um, the place for maybe to, to create something with Foundation too, because we are investing in this platform. Uh, we, we think that um, we have a lot of things to do with housing issues for um, affordable housing, but also for adequate housing and uh, adequate housing as human rights. So invest is important in uh, innovative projects, um, maybe for building, but also for um, prevention of eviction and uh, um, social worker for, to be with vulnerable, vulnerable uh, people. And uh, this is not only the building, this is also everything around to, to, to permit people to keep their home and to live uh, a decent life. So maybe the platform could be a place for foundation to, to maybe create a program or something like that to promote innovative projects and then uh, to show this innovation uh, with experts and uh, other actors in the sector. Thank you, I hope we can count on your support for taking that forward. <laughs> Absolutely, everyone has to kind of act on this one because, you know, it is, it, this is something about the coalition of the willing. Um, this platform isn't going to go anywhere unless we, I mean, we've demonstrated, I, I hope, the value of bringing this kind of group together uh, and from learning from each other and we can see what we can actually really borrow uh, in terms of expertise and we need to be as I said we need to share more of this information but uh, for this to continue we do need to have we're in that classic case of you know we need that we need that underpinning for the platform to really continue Stefan and then okay thank you very much Samir is my name from Council of Europe Development Bank um, <clears throat> I think we should look a little bit at on financing from from the basic principles and from our hearts and the reason why we're here is because of those ultimate beneficiaries mm. uh, on the ground and this is actually the way how we uh, approach the financing of the housing because I think when you go on the field and when, when you give a high five to Roma family with five children mm. that really makes you think how you're going to design and implement that project and actually the way how we work we are we are on, on the road at least 30, 40% of our time. Mm. And then from ultimate beneficiaries, then we kind of, it's from bottom up. We go to the local authorities, we go to project implementation units, 
And then we go to, to, our, to, to our senior management in the bank and we say, there is a great project. We should finance this and this and that way. And that is actually the reason that, that, we show, that we've seen many good examples today. We went to Ireland, for example, and we realized, that, okay, there is a problem with the financing of the uh, uh, approved housing bodies. They need fixed interest rate, a long tenure. We came back, we said we need a project with fixed interest rate, long tenure. We went to, to Adoma, for example, and we realized that there was a problem with guarantee, and we stretched the boundaries. We provide the guarantees mm -hmm. based on assets. So there are not many banks that would provide the guarantees sure, sure, sure. On, on assets. Or, for example, I'm sitting on Marco's place, and I, 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 I'm hearing, uh, you know, Marco is a ghost now in my head. So we went to Montenegro, and there was a problem with interest rate. So we, as a bank, we forced the commercial banks to reduce the interest rates. And next step is going to, to, to force the insurance companies to reduce, to reduce insurance, because, for example, in Montenegro, it's one-third of the payment goes for the insurance. So I think for the platform, it's very important that we, we met today, that we exchange the information. It is obviously that the concept of housing is changing. Housing is now uh, office. Everybody, com uh, everybody stays at home at least uh, once a week or once a month. So uh, housing is office. It's crash facility in a way. It's the uh, hospital. So uh, if you would calculate, if you calculate what is the, the economic uh, impact and benefits of the housing, that needs to be resonated and that is not recognized. It is obvi obvious, but it's not easy to prove. I think we were talking about social outcomes. I think the, 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 if, the, if the platform resonates social outcomes to the policymakers of the financing of houses, that would be very, very, that would be great step in, in, in financing of housing, and that's we would something achieve from today, I guess. Thank you. Monica, do you want to add anything to that in terms of... Okay. So, I mean, obviously, uh, at some point, we do need to look at the, the long-term future and sustainability of the platform, and therefore, you know, we are going to have require partners to step in and step up and continue that support if we're going to really generate the kind of value that you can see the potential of the value that could be generated if we were able to continue uh, our efforts. Stephanie, you want to come in, then I'll bring you in. I uh, would just like to add two things. Uh, first, um, <clears throat> uh, and I forgot to mention it uh, during my presentation, that the housing solutions to homelessness work also for Roma homeless. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of families in our projects are Roma families, and. Uh, they keep housing when they are offered housing. Um, and second, I, I, I heard uh, several times um, here the idea that some people need social work to get fixed, to, um, to be helped with their problems, um, and this is sure. And uh, what I like about uh, the social work perspective, but also about the perspective of research evidence, and also uh, from the perspective of the uh, preferences of people who are in housing need, uh, is that sometimes they need uh, social work, but they always need housing, and uh, they always want housing, and it is what works for them. So, um, I mean, let's not overestimate uh, social work and uh, for example my uh, organization which is umbrella of uh, providers mm -hmm. uh, was created on the basis that social work doesn't work to solve homelessness itself or housing need and that's why we need housing 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think um, that's, it's inarguable. And I don't think we've heard around this room that actually it's the, the social work that needs, solves the housing issue, but it, it's a vital component of creating stability and pathways into well-being and, and employment and sustainability of the individual and the community. We know that. That's proven through research. It's just that often people forget, especially governments, to think, actually, let's house someone, and that's a problem gone away. And that isn't ever the case. But it also depends on the group you're targeting. Obviously, you know this. The most vulnerable will not survive in that scenario. The middle income may do. But I think when you're, when you, it depends on which, which target group we're, we're talking about uh, fundamentally. Um, of course, sure. Do you want to put the mic? I mean, obviously, I didn't have the time to, to go into a lot of details, and but this is very interesting. But I, I wanted to come back to one of the questions here on equity. The long-term investors are, and you will see in the report when it comes out, thinking and talking about a fund of funds. Ah, okay. Uh, but this is not something, I didn't make this into a presentation because this is not something, but you will find it in the report mentioned as a longer term issue. There you go. Uh, you there are some that. examples, yes, but there are some examples uh, of the long term investors working in that direction. But Good. one thing that I also would like to urge you is to join up with the, the groups and also the investors working on energy efficiency in housing mm. because there is a lot of momentum there mm. uh, there's a lot of interests there uh, that could bringing to bringing this together could really uh, truly mobilize also more more Absolutely. investors well said last but not least thank you i didn't know i was last uh, and thank you for saying it's not the least, but uh, I'll be. I'm going to go. Uh, you will be last. Uh, um, no, but I can um, very quickly say that from the discussion, from what I heard, mm. like I, in my introduction, I said the aim of the Housing Solutions Platform is to identify interesting, promising practices, mm. to analyze them, to promote them, and to link them up with potential investors. I have uh, no reason after this discussion to believe that that's not the right aim of the Housing Solutions Platform. So we'll go for that. We obviously need, we have a lot of work ahead of us. What mm. we first of all have to do is to broaden our um, uh, base of experts, um, uh, people that know about housing, um, uh, in the, that work in the, in the field. And we also have to further build uh, our uh, demanders of expertise, investors, public authorities, etc. We have to work on that, we have to still um, uh, work on that. But we have four committed partners. I'll repeat who they are so that they cannot pull out after this meeting. It's uh, Friends of Europe, uh, Housing Europe, Fondation Repair, and Fianza, and I think we all want to um, uh, make uh, uh, this work in the future. I think, I think it's important, that's what you hinted at, Damendra, um, uh, several times, that at the moment this platform is being created on a voluntary basis. The partner organizations, they put time energy and some money into it, um, but it comes on top of all the other work. The, uh, the, the, the platform as such has not yet a solid funding base, mm. and that's also something that we should work on. If anybody around the table thinks, well, I can contribute to that, please don't hesitate to contact any of the um, uh, partner uh, organizations. So that's what I want Thank to say. Thank you very much. Um, and I, as you, do you want to say anything at all? Are you all right, okay, thank you. Well, colleagues, we're, we've run over time. I hope you found it well worth use of your time being here around this table and being able to uh, learn, share experience, um, and also build uh, ideas 
for the future. Clearly, we set out to think about um, uh, financing innovative housing solutions, and I think what we've heard today is there's a lot of innovation taking place. There's, it's almost as if there's a kind of a renaissance happening around that kind of approach, but it's an early stage development. And I can see that actually in the next 10 years, it'll grow quite significantly, or it'll have to, because public budgets are not going to be able to keep up with demographic change. Uh, and so you're going to have to come, you know, come, come up with alternative models of uh, public-private uh, financing. Um, thank you all for your time. And we'll, we'll send a report uh, of this discussion to all of you and make sure we keep you as a part of our network on the platform. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.